Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. Good morning, River City Church. It is my it is so good to see everybody's face this morning. Um, it's such a pleasure to be able to welcome you to Sunday service. My name is Antramika Knight. Um, if you have not attended with River City before, we start each service by reading a psalm. Um, today's psalm is Psalm 22. Starts at verse. I'm sorry, Psalms 23. Starts at verse 22, I believe. And it says, I will tell your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All your offspring of Jacob, glorify him. And to stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. Verse 27. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not, could not keep himself alive. Verse 30. Prosperity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord. Oh, posterity. I'm sorry. It shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, and that he has done it. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this Sunday that we have gathered together. We thank you for the worship team. We thank you for the, um, the speaker who will bring the message today. We bring, thank you for all the visitors, all the members, all the attenders, Father God. 
May your omnipresence be felt in this place, Holy Spirit. We invite you, Father God, that we may engage with you, that we may be able to just feel your holiness, Father God. We thank you that you are good, Father God. We thank you that you are powerful, Father God. We thank you that there is none above you. We thank you so much, Father God, that we just continue to praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we just want to say thank you as a community right now, corporately, as your ecclesia, your body of Christ. We're thankful that we get to be here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. We're going to continue. We're going to wrap up, actually, the My Beloved series we've been talking about here for the last few weeks. Um, this, was a, this wasn't an easy message to put together for me, and I don't really know why. Um, it didn't really come together until yesterday, and hopefully you think it came together. I don't know. I'm offering it. I'm giving it to you. So, ironically, that's timely. Um, so, like I said, today we're continuing this My Beloved series, looking at the fourth part of that given. We've been using the story of the Last Supper, where Jesus took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to his disciples. We're drawing a connection with how each of us are also taken or chosen, blessed, broken, and given as we walk out our spiritual lives. Now, Josh talked last week, last week about what it means to be broken and how that's probably the hardest one of these four for a lot of us to explore for ourselves because we don't like talking about our brokenness, those areas in our life. The problem is we can't really um, get to a place of giving of ourselves until we've wrestled with our brokenness. Sure, we can give in a number of ways, right? We can write a check. We can donate old clothes and toys. We could volunteer at a shelter. We can make that casserole that we never make and give it to people. Um, and these are all great things. But what we'll see here is we're talking about being given. It's more about, it's more than just what we can do for each other. Um, it's, it's more about who we can be for each other. It's hard to talk about given without also talking about being broken. There's a mysterious link between our brokenness and our ability to give to each other. Our brokenness opens us up to a deeper way of sharing our lives with each other and offering each other hope. My experience with my brokenness, my wrestling with my brokenness, informs who I am, right? It informs who you are. And I've come, I have to come to terms with my brokenness and love and accept those parts of who I am to love others around me and their brokenness to try to give them a sense of hope amidst their own circumstances. In coming to terms with my brokenness, I've learned that it provides, for me, it provides something for me to give to others around me. And I see it play out over and over when I choose to see it. I've talked about this before, but before I was this easygoing person that you've come to love and know, <laughs> I was a tightly wound attorney. I worked downtown in a high-rise office building, I wore suits every day. I worked five, six, seven days a week, depending upon my caseload. I devoted a ton of time to that job, to the detriment of my marriage, my friends, and my family. And Jen, Jen and I also walked through um, trying to get pregnant unsuccessfully for a number of years. And out of that brokenness, we were given the opportunity to walk through adoption. 
and now we have the privilege of being parents for our son. But through that, we were given so much more. She and I can talk with parents who are walking through infertility. We can walk with other families who are trying to adopt. We can walk with parents who are raising children from different ethnicities. Out of our brokenness, we have been given much. One of the things that Jen and I do together now is we walk with young couples through premarital counseling. Anything, anything we can offer to those young couples comes directly from the brokenness we experienced in our own marriage. When I was working six days a week at the law firm, we were just coexisting for the most part, most weeks. There wasn't much investment in the relationship. We made mistakes. I probably made more than my share. Many aspects of our relationship were broken. Our struggles with infertility, though, that brokenness, gave us the opportunity to come together as we focused on adoption. The adoption process gave me the space I needed to reprioritize what work means. Those many lessons through our brokenness are what we can now offer to young couples when we meet with them. Again, we are given out of our brokenness. Henry Nouwen says in his book, Life of the Beloved, that our greatest fulfillment lies in giving ourselves to others. If our deepest fulfillment comes from being given as a gift to others, how do we go about living that out? One, giving ourselves in life, and two, giving ourselves in death. I mentioned this earlier, but an important thing to remember here is that giving ourselves in life is not about what we can do for each other so much, right, out of our talents and out of our strengths. Rather, it's about who we are, who we can be for each other. Who we are includes the gifts that have been bestowed upon us to share with others. Friendship, kindness, patience, joy, peace, forgiveness, gentleness, wisdom, love, hope, trust, hospitality. Often we encounter these gifts by way of walking through our brokenness. A person who struggled with an eating disorder is better equipped to sit patiently with someone who's in the middle of that. Someone who's lost a loved one knows the pain of that and can offer the hope she knows to another person who is grieving. We see this dance between brokenness and giving played out in the relationship between Elijah and Elisha. Bear with me. It's a lot of Eli-somethings. Elijah and Elisha. At the end of 1 Kings and the beginning of 2 Kings. In 1 Kings 19, Elijah, Israel's prophet, is on the run from Jezebel and Ahab. He's just been a party to the death of hundreds of false prophets that Jezebel and Ahab were relying on. He is scared. He is broken. The Lord gives him instructions to find Elisha and anoint him as Elijah's successor. Elijah finds Elisha plowing a field, throws his cloak over him, inviting Elisha to join him as the Lord's servant. And Elijah says goodbye to his family, and he joins him. Within a few chapters in 2 Kings chapter 2, it comes time for Elijah to be taken up to heaven. Elisha is walking with Elijah. All right, follow along. Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, 
do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Elijah said to him, Elijah, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water. And the water was parted to the one side and to the other, till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing. Yet, if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. As I was praying this week about this message and this passage, what I connected with here is the example set before us. Out of our brokenness, we are given. Elijah is broken and is given to Elisha. Elisha cannot receive what is being given to him unless he confronts his brokenness. Elijah is broken. 1 Kings 19 says Elijah was afraid and ran for his life as he was being chased by Jezebel and Ahab. He went into the desert, sat under a tree, and prayed that he might die. This is how broken Elijah was. In prayer, Elijah said, I have had enough, Lord. He falls asleep. He embarks on a 40-day journey. Because every journey in the Old Testament is 40-somethings, 40 days, 40 years, something. And he ends up in a cave where the Lord's presence comes to him as a gentle whisper. And there the Lord tells Elijah to go anoint Elisha and to succeed him as prophet. Out of Elijah's brokenness, he is given to Elisha. Remember, if our deepest fulfillment comes from being given as a gift for others, one of the ways we live that out is giving ourselves in life. We get very little detail about what it looks like for Elijah and Elijah after he calls him off the plow to follow him. But the Bible refers to Elijah as Elijah's attendant. So he had a front row seat to all that Elijah was doing. He understood who Elijah was as the Lord's prophet. He understood that Elijah was committed to the Lord regardless of who was upset with him. In life, Elijah gave himself to Elisha, showing him how to walk with the Lord in the face of opposition to trust the Lord despite his circumstances. Now, the second lesson here, right, is Elijah can't receive what Elijah is giving him in death until he confronts his brokenness. Elijah had anointed him as the successor, right? They're walking to where Elijah will be taken up, 
And all of these prophets are telling Elisha, you know the Lord has taken Elijah today. Yes, I know. Stop talking about it. Elisha's brokenness is staring him in the face. His master is leaving. He will be alone with this prophet mantle to carry. But he continues the journey with Elijah. Then Elijah asks Elisha what he wants from him. I want a double portion of your spirit. You can have it if you see me taken up. Metaphorically, you can have it if you stare your brokenness in the face. And he does. Every time. <laughs> he confronts his brokenness and is given the double portion. And over in chapter 4 of 2 Kings, he utilizes that power. A man from Baal Shalishah, I got it, bringing the man of God, the man of God, Elisha, bringing Elisha bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley, and fresh ears of grain in his sack. And Elisha said, give to the men that they may eat. But his servant said, how can I set, before, how can I set this before a hundred men? So he repeated, give them to the men and they may, that they may eat. And thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left. So he set it before them, and they ate and had some left, according to the word of the Lord. Out of Elisha's brokenness, he gives of the spirit that he's been bestowed. Of course, when Jesus comes on the scene and gathers the disciples, we read in the Gospels, story after story, where the disciples experience what the Lord is doing right in front of them. Jesus is giving of himself in life, in everything he does in front of them. He demonstrates what it means to walk in one's identity, to stay connected with the Father, to decry injustice, to see the best in those who others see as less than, to heal the sick, to get away and pray for guidance and wisdom. But being given also plays out by giving oneself in death. Elisha doesn't secure the double portion from Elijah unless Elijah dies. Elijah's death provides something for Elisha. He receives the double portion, but he also gains the opportunity to walk with the Lord without relying on Elijah to do it for him. When Elijah is around, Elisha is just an attendant. Now, after Elijah is gone, Elijah steps into his destiny as a prophet of the Lord. He takes what he's learned from Elijah during his life, during their time together, right, what Elijah gave himself in life, and applies it as only he can as Elisha. We see something similar with Jesus and the disciples, right? How many times have we read in our journey through the Gospel of Mark where the disciples witness Jesus in action and have very little understanding of what's going on, Jesus tells them what's going to happen to him in Jerusalem, and they don't believe it. They deny it. They are confused by it. But after Jesus is crucified and rises again and the Holy Spirit comes over them, their eyes are opened. They receive power. They gain understanding of what he was saying, understanding of who he is, understanding the call that's on them. In death, Jesus continues to give them what they need. And now it has a quote about giving ourselves in death. I think I have this. Yeah. We have to choose between clinging to life in such a way that death becomes nothing but a failure or letting go of life in freedom so that we can be given to others as a source of hope. Let's face it. We don't like talking about death. We don't like talking about being broken. And death feels like the ultimate in brokenness. In reality, death is the ultimate gift. We see that clearly in Jesus. That's part of the story at the end of this Lent season that we're walking through. He is broken to give us new life. 
From his death, we receive the gift of abundant life, of eternal life. When we face our brokenness and get through to the other side of that, we will have much to give to others. When we do that in life, we have that much more to give through death. I'm a parent. One of the things I want to do as a parent is to prepare Keegan for the life that he has in front of him. I know the chances are that I won't be around for a large chunk of that, but I want to leave him some lessons, right, through my words, through my actions, that he can carry with him after I'm gone. The road here, though, to that mindset required the changes that resulted in confronting the brokenness in my own life, from my childhood, my marriage, my approach to work. Had I not faced those and reprioritized things in my life towards the good life, right, before I even knew to label it like that, what I would be passing on wouldn't be what I want to pass on. Having made some of those changes and continuing to adjust my rhythms, I'm hopeful that I will live, that I will leave in death, what I, what I leave in death will be worth leaving. I won't be concerned with leaving too quickly or having clung to this life too tightly that I didn't take care of the things that mattered. I think our own Sarah Luke epitomizes this. Right? If you've had the chance to spend any time with Sarah, you know that she is at peace with where she is on the timeline of her life. She's not frustrated by her situation. She's not mad about her circumstances. She continues to engage those around her. She continues to meet with people and share, share what the Lord is still teaching her. She's giving us a real gift to witness how our walk from this reality to the next reality can be. Now, I'm not saying death is an answer to our problems. Death is a gift when we've been walking through this journey, right, of being taken, blessed, broken, and given. We've confronted our brokenness and reached a space where we, in life, are giving who we are to others. Now, one of the most interesting things to me about this book, right, Life of the Beloved, we've been talking about this for four messages now. What's interesting to me about this book is that now when I started writing it for a friend, right, um, who didn't really have a faith life. He was Jewish, but he wasn't really engaged in his faith. But this friend asked Nowen to write something about the spiritual life for him and his other unchurched friends. After some convincing, Nowen set out to write in the form of this series of letters, right, addressing these ideas of taken, blessed, broken, and given. Once he was done, he gave it to his friend to read. You can imagine the trepidation, right? This is my friend, we've had this long relationship, he's asking me to do this, have I put it all together? Is he gonna like it? Did I address everything he wants addressed? I don't really know exactly what he wants addressed. I'm putting this out there, right? Now one wasn't sure he, he could write this in the first place. He had to be convinced by his friend to write it. Then he wrote it. Now he's about to give it to his friend, right? Who wanted something to help him enter into this spiritual journey that now one's other works didn't really help him find. So when his friend read it, this is kind of a paraphrase of, of his response. The book was not to him, not radically different from Nowen's other books. He had shared it with a couple of his friends to read to see what they thought about it, and they didn't, they didn't, it didn't reach them either. They, they concluded it was written for the folks that are already converted. Specifically, this is what the guy said to Nowen. Although it is clear that you try to write for me and my friends from your own center, and although you express to us what is most precious to you, you do not realize how far we are from where you are. You speak from a context and tradition that is alien to us, and your words are based on many presuppositions that we don't share with you. You are not aware of how truly secular we are. Many, many questions need to be answered before we are able to, fully, to be fully open to what you say 
about this life of the beloved. Now, imagine how now it's feeling. Uh, okay. <laughs> It'd be easy to conclude that Nowen has failed in his task, right? And Nowen had poured over this project to help his friend. In the end, the friend was left wanting. The reality is that Nowen's work on this project has been a source of hope and direction for thousands of people who have read it over the years. The effort that Nowen put into this project was taken, was blessed, was broken, and was given so that so many could, could benefit from it. And they continue to benefit from it, right? The book was originally published in 1992. It's been reprinted countless times. This particular one is, was reprinted 25 years after uh, it was originally written. It continues to be given to people, right? Out of that broken response, he gives it to his friend, and his friend is like, this doesn't help. Out of that, it's still benefiting all of us who read it. So for those of you who wrestle with the hesitation to give of yourself, right, and share who you are with others, this is your worst nightmare, right? You give, and the gift you offer is rejected. If we approach the giving from a posture of pride or with an agenda seeking something in return for the giving, we will miss out. The giving is not about return. Giving is the culmination of this journey through accepting that we are chosen, blessed, and broken to be given to provide hope for others. Sometimes the receiver gets it immediately. Sometimes that understanding comes later after some time to process. Sometimes it's rejected and never accepted at all. But none of that matters. The work done over the course of this journey changes us. And as Nowen puts it, the change of which I speak is the change from living life as a painful test to prove that you deserve to be loved to living it as an unceasing yes to the truth of your belovedness. I'll read that again. If we walk through this journey, we will see change. The change of which I speak is the change from living life as a painful test to prove that you deserve to be loved to living it as an unceasing yes to the truth, the reality, the core essence of who you are, of your belovedness. If the worship team would come up, we're going to pray. Lord, I, I just thank you that you see us as your children. You choose us. Our chosenness isn't hierarchical. One of us isn't chosen above another. We're all chosen. Thank you that you see us as that. Thank you for the blessings you give us. Thank you for walking with us through our brokenness, for transforming those experiences that are hard, that are tough, walking through that with us to the other side where we can be given as hope for somebody else. Thank you that the giving is not about what we do. Thank you that the giving is about who we are, what we can be for one another in this family. We're going to have prayer teams up here. I think there, I feel like there are four groups in the room that should cover pretty much everybody.
If you still struggle with the idea that you're chosen or blessed, please consider coming up and praying with one of our teams. Right? Understanding your identity in Christ is crucial. If you're feeling broken this morning, get prayer. Take a step towards confronting your brokenness. Stare it in the face. Call it out. Put it under the blessing. If you struggle with giving who you are out of fear that you might be rejected, come up, pray with them. We're all a gift to share with others who are struggling. We all have those gifts to share. We can become a source of hope for those around us. If you're looking for an opportunity to give, you understand you're chosen and you're blessed, you've walked through your brokenness, you're confronting it ongoing way, and you're looking for a place to give, and you're wanting an opportunity to give to others, come up and pray for some revelation. How can I do this, Lord? How can I walk this out? How can I share my experience with somebody else and encourage them and lift them up and walk beside them? Lord, I thank you for this group of people. I thank you for your steadfastness, your relentless pursuit of us. Thank you that you call us out by name. You pull us close. You walk with us through the tough times. You give us opportunities to step out, to practice some of these things you've taught us. for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.